everybody. This is William Del Pilar, and this is Points on the Board. And I am here with my co-host, Mr. Eddie Aparicio. Eddie, how are you doing today? Hey, what's up, Guillermo? All, all good, man. How about you, man? Man, I'm busy. I'm busy. As you know, this is a new startup, and uh, I'm starting to get in, into my startup mode. I mean, yesterday was a typical work day, and then when I looked at what I did, I'm like, man, I worked 16 hours yesterday, and I'm an old man. You know? Man, are you really working that much right now? Dang. Uh, Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, I do. They're just, they're just nonstop. So, for example, after we finish the podcast, I have to call my dad first. He turns 91 today. He's on oh, the wow. Coast. Happy birthday. Then, yeah, yeah. But then and my, my, my great-grandfather or my grandfather, his father, lived to be like 93, 94. And, you know, wow. that generation from a third world country, you know, it was not a uh, easy life. So I, I, I'm assuming I'm going to hit my 90s here, you know, well, you know, but but that's how it goes. But so right after we do this, I have to uh, 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 call the person for the Red, White, and Rude podcast, and we're going to talk about topics for tomorrow's show, things like that. So, yeah, it's not stop, but I'll be honest, Eddie. When I'm working and I'm in the work mode, I'm oblivious to everything else. So uh, I, I'm glad I'm married to a wonderful wife who handles all the stuff that I become oblivious to so we're not being thrown <laughs> out of the house or at money. I am the same way, man. I have the same thing. I call, the, I call my wife a CHO which is a chief home officer. So she takes care of everything, you know? Yeah, I yeah. Just, I, I just finance the operation, man. She does everything. <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell people my wife could clean out our bank accounts and I wouldn't even figure it out till like three months later when I look at my final late notice due and I go, oh, hell, I better pay this. <laughs> That's funny. So we got a good show coming up. It's a little bit more simplistic than before. But before we get to that, for everybody out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast and others like it at grumblingsmedia.com. You can also find us on YouTube and Rumble under the profile Grumblings Media. And you can find us on your traditional podcast outlets such as Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. You know, I'm trying to uh, do the show without glasses because there's always a glare that gives the tech. He, he's always telling me, dude, you got a lot of glare on those glasses. Uh, so so that means I got to shift from 90% on my notes here to like 160%. <laughs> it sucks getting out, doesn't it, brother? You it know? does, man. Big time. We got a great show. We're going to talk some James Harden. As most people know, I'm. I, I, it's not that I'm not a James Harden fan. I'm not. But he's just so easy to pick on because he puts himself in the worst situations. But that said, he's a Hall of Fame player. Still looking for that championship. He's pulling the old Char Chuck Barkley route, trying to go to a team that, that, that can help win him one. And I always felt bad for Charles Barkley. He went from the 76ers, I believe, to the Houston Rockets and, and, and didn't win the ring like he wanted to. Uh, but we're going to talk hard and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, the passing of Mr. Eric Montross, Mr. Big E. Uh, John Morant returns. We're going to get Eddie's, Eddie's thought on that. And then we're going to go into a fun topic. And it's fun, but there's a lot of seriousness in this because it, it, it's also NBA business. And the Lakers are being ridiculed, Eddie, because they put up, put up the, 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 the IST banner, you know, the uh, uh, inner, inner season you know, tournament. In season yeah. tournament. <laughs> and they're getting flack. And I don't blame them for getting flack. They broke their own rules uh, uh, to go cha-ching. And, you know, business is business. But that said, we're going to talk a little football as well. We're going to talk a little bit about Frank Wycheck. Frank Wycheck, fantasy football really took off in the 90s. And, and I'm proud to say that Eddie and I had a big hand in, in our you, you, you fantasy oafs out there trying to be as good as we once were. you know. And we're going to talk about Frank Weichert because he was one of the early studs. Uh, Well-known, well-beloved uh, character figure in, in Nashville. Uh, ironically, I learned about three new things, and we'll talk about that too. And it, it, it's sad. We'll talk about his death as well. We're going to talk a little bit about the playoff hunt. We're going to be very general right now with the playoff hunt because there's so many teams still in it technically, or rather have not been eliminated. But we're going to have some fun with that. We're going to get Eddie's take on the MVP race. We're going to get my take on the MVP race. And I think that'll probably be enough time to close the show out by then. But we'll see how it goes. Eddie. My friend, let us get started with topic number one. And uh, first of all, you know I'm not a big James Harden fan. 
But I, but I texted you the other day and I was like, man, the Clippers have won eight in a row. Right. You know, so I, I thought that would be a, a good a, a good uh, uh, topic here. Uh, so uh, the overview is James Harden made headlines, obviously, when he wanted to leave the Philadelphia 76ers, as he previously made headlines when he wanted to leave the Brooklyn Nets, as he previously made headlines when he wanted to leave the Houston Rockets. However, his wish came, or rather, his wish came true every single time. Santa loves him. You know, he was traded to the Clippers, but he's been playing pretty much lights out. Now, Eddie, first of all, the head coach of the Clippers said, be patient. And obviously, we live in a generation where there is no patience. So we know that they beat the Kings, Warriors, Knicks, and Pacers, and he went off on the Pacers. So uh, I'm trying to segue this. So first of all, tell us tell us a little bit about this, this eight-game run and how we got there. Well, I mean, Teron Lue is a good coach. I mean, he, the guy's he's an NBA championship coach, right? So he did it with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So he knows what he's doing. He's played the game. He knows what he has. He knows how to utilize what he has. He's proven that uh, over the course of his tenure over at, uh, the, as a Clipper head coach. Um, you know, anytime you get a new player integrated into a new a new team and they have to learn the system, even though, you know, James Harden is a Hall of Fame player himself and, and has been in this league for a long time, they still have to figure out how to work together, right? So, right. you know, James Harden is a very ball-dominant player. You know, Paul George, very ball-dominant player. Kawhi Leonard, very ball-dominant player. You know, Russell Westbrook, very ball-dominant player. The, the, right. the thing is, is they have to figure out a system to enhance everybody's skill sets. And that's what Tyrone Lue is essentially saying is that be patient, right? We have to figure out how to work together, and we're going to figure this thing out because – they are a good team. He is a good coach. They figured out an adjustment. They took out Russell Westbrook away from the starting lineup and they put him on the bench. That's, that was adjustment number one. And then number two is James Harden, you know, he learned when he was on the Houston – well, I think not that he learned. that Mike D'Antoni figured out when he was the coach for the Houston Rockets that James Harden having the, the, the ball in his hand as a playmaker – that's that's his skill set. That's where you know his 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 you know his his skill set is unleashed, and he's doing that right now for the Clippers. He's mainly the point guard and just dishing, you know. And he's got a, still got a good shot, you know. The only the only challenge with James Harden is can he play D? Well, he's gonna have to figure out how to play D, right, on the Clippers because yeah. that's what they do. That's what they hang their they, they hang their head on is, is defense. But they can probably scheme and figure out how to hide him a little bit and do cross matches, you know, where you know the, the you know he doesn't necessarily have to defend like a really you know, a, a strong player, right? Other guys will do that. But in, in the end, Teron Lou is right. Be patient because they will figure it out. And it looks like they figured it out right now. It looks like they're on a good little streak right now. And I think what also has helped this team is that, that you know, the NBA has come cracked down pretty hard on, on load management, right? And these this team right. in particular, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the past have been the biggest culprits of taking advantage of this, really. So, you know, I think that's part of it. They're playing more now, right? I mean, they're still getting the rest, but, you know, the, the rule is you can't have more than one star player rest unless they're, unless they're injured, right? So, anyway, that's, right. that's, that's my take. Well, you know, I, I thought it was interesting because some of the headlines I saw was he was the heart in the vote, comparing him to his to his Houston days. And he had a great game against the Pacers the other night, 35 points, nine assists. But what I found impressive was that he hit four straight three-pointers. And the final three-pointer, Eddie, uh, was a foul. So they got the extra point. I mean, th those are well, numbers where – you're just talking trash to the guy next to you. You know, they said Bird was one of the greatest trash talkers on the court. But, man, when you do what Harden did, I'd be talking trash, too. You know, you so know, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to tell you that, that, you know, the biggest trash talker. I actually met the biggest trash talker the NBA has ever seen. You know, and can you guess who that is? I figured it must have been the, oh a Detroit uh, uh, Pistons nope, guy. Nope. Well, I could think of. Nope. I, was, nope. I thought it was Bird. Who? No, Bird. Bird is up there. But he's not considered the biggest trash talker that the NBA has seen, at least in the, in the current NBA. Gary Payton. Gary Payton oh, is the yeah. biggest trash talker. I mean, that guy could get oh, somebody. Man. Oh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, he's the biggest trash, trash talker. I can, I, I can tell you the story how I met the guy, but, you know, we'll probably do that another time. But I just want to throw it out there that you, you just prompted me to remember that I met one of the biggest trash talkers in the NBA. And, you know, he had a long career. Uh, Gary Payton had a very, very long career. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. And, his, so, and his kid played for the Warriors. So, 
Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, uh, yeah. Eddie. So in a situation like this, you're talking a contract worth tens and tens of millions. We're talking 50, 60 million a year, you know, 20, 30 million, 40, 50 million a year, multiple years. How the hell does a team trade for a guy without a plan in place? Because when I was researching this, they said, you know, they they, they tried to feature uh, 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 the four stars with another player and that kind of failed miserably, you know? So, so once they benched Westbrook, once they made these changes, you said, they're like, hey, we're doing well. Was this, I guess what I'm saying is, did they trade him thinking we're going to feature the four stars and this up and coming player? Who was the up and coming player? Uh, uh, Ivica Zubac. Is that how you pronounce it? Well, uh, Ivica Ivica Zubac. Ivica Zubac. Ivica Zubac. Yes. Yeah, they they initially planned to feature their four all stars uh, with Zubac. And uh, obviously that didn't work. I guess what I'm asking is when you're dealing with this big a contract, Shouldn't you have a specific game plan? Because it seems like, oh, God, our, our major idea is not working. And they lucked out into what they they've become. Or was this part of the plan? Okay, this is our first plan. If this doesn't work, we're going to move to this plan and try this. And the reason I ask that, because when you're talking about benching a superstar, as they did with Russell Westbrook, I mean, that alone could have caused issues. So the what are your thoughts on how they thought about doing this or do they just let it happen? Well, you know, sometimes you get lucky, right? And and it's really the GM's job to construct the team and find as much talent as he can and make it all mesh together. That's the GM's job. The the, the coach's job is to figure out how to work, have all of these elements work together. And that's Teron, Teron Lou's job. So the adjustment that Teron Lou made was because what they were initially trying to do wasn't working. You know, they have right. this talent, right? The GM brought all the talent but they have to figure out how to make it all work, right? And that's what Teron Lou did. He's He was experimenting on lineups. That's what everybody does. All the coaches experiment with different rotations, right? Which 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 players will, will, will come off the bench? Which players will, will play with which? You know, so, you know, you know, Russell Westbrook had to swallow his pride a little bit, right? And, you know, Russell Westbrook wants to win a championship, right? So, so you know, James Harden wants to win a championship. Paul George wants to win a championship. Kawhi Leonard has won three championships. So, you know, he's the one, he's the one who has the, the know-how, right? Or at least the, the experience. So, so they, they it's, it, you know, like I said, some of it's luck, right? And, 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 but the thing is, is that if you have a good coach, they can figure out how to, how to make this thing work, right? So, um, I, I think in this, in this, this adjustment, I think is working out and, and, and they did it about like, I don't know, like maybe four or five games into James Harden's, cause I think the first four right, or five games right. they were losing. They lost. Yeah. So Toronto had to make that adjustment. Right. It wasn't their original plan. And the thing is, is that, you know, Russell Westbrook, as great as a, as a, as a, as a point guard he is, he's not a really good shooter. You know, he, 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 he's a great, he has a great motor though. That guy's a monster, uh, as far as like, you know, being able to drive the ball and kick it out. And he's a really good defender when he wants to be, but he can't really shoot. So, you know, defenses can sag off of him. Whereas James Harden, you can't do that because he can shoot, right? right? So I think that was yeah, the right. reason why they did it. So so good teams will figure out a way to make this thing work. And superstar players who are trying to find a, a, a ring, you know, or want a ring, they have to swallow their pride and do what's best for the team. Case in point, Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala, when he came to the Warriors, he actually was a starter, you know, for years. And then you know, he was on the, the Nuggets at the time. And when he came on to the Warriors, the adjustment that they made is they made him come off the bench. And that made that team work. Right. Right. So the same thing's happening with Chris Paul. Chris Paul was always a starter. Now he's coming off the bench. So these teams have to figure out if they want to win, they have to figure out how to work, work together. And they have to swallow their pride sometimes. You know, that, that's a great point. There, com- there comes a time in everyone's career. You want a ring, you better swallow that pride, whether it's a lower paycheck or whether it's a, a secondary role. Seth Joyner for the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, I'm dating myself, but, uh, Great defensive player, part of Buddy Ryan's fearsome, whatever they called him, with the Eagles back in the in, in the 90s, who had some great battles with uh, 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 Jimmy Johnson's Cowboys. So, so I'm going back. But, yeah, he, to get a ring, he uh, begged uh, Mike Shanahan. Well, not begged him, but, you know, did everything he could to make that squad. Shanahan kept him on, but all he did was play special teams at that point. So to go from being a superstar in Philadelphia – 
as as a part of an elite defense to years down the road accepting a special teams job uh, a player role uh, for a chance at the ring and he got his ring he got his ring if i remember correctly it was in the green bay packers denver broncos super bowl but you are absolutely correct however one final question before we move on eddie it, it's it's a sure. joking i say jokingly but how do you think that conversation went with the GM and the and the coach and some of the assistants going, bro, who's going to tell Westbrook we're benching him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because he's 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 a fiery personality, right? But he's a great teammate. The teammates love playing with that guy just because you know he he shows as an example how to play. And that guy's motor is 100% all the time. Much like you, Guillermo, your motor is 100% <laughs> all the time. Right? So, so Russell Westbrook would be somebody that you would admire because he has the same work ethic as you. And you know what? That's a good point because we all we see is the media this, media that, selfish player this, selfish player that. But that move Westbrook did showed he's not selfish and he's putting the team uh, – and maybe he's putting the team above him because they have the same goal. But it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he's doing what's right and what's best for the team. So good for him. And with that, let's move on, Eddie. Eddie, are you familiar with the biggie, Eric Montrose? I am. I am very familiar yeah. with him. Yes. Well, I'm sorry to hear he that he left passed us. away. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He left us at the ripe age of 52, nine Man, months after. Nice. Yeah, nine months after he announced he had been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, uh, that's scary and sad because at 52, I mean, Eddie, you have, you, I'm not going to say her age or her name or anything, but you have a daughter. You know, she, 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 she's a teen still, you know, an older teen, but but still a teen. And, and, he had a couple of kids, so I'm assuming he probably left those kids. It's a terrible situation, not his fault at all. You know, for those who aren't aware, uh, he was not a great NBA player, but he was an he 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 was he was an all pro, I guess, for lack of a better or all American. That's the word I'm looking for. All American a player in college and was a starting center for the Tar Heels. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about him? You know, he was one of these just big bodies. You know, sets great screens, great rebounder, kind of a prototypical center that doesn't really score much. He just does all the dirty work, right? And that's what, yeah. you know, a lot of the centers back in that day were like that. Very, very, you know, there, there's not many centers that emerged that could do all of that plus score, right? Um, at back then, I mean, there's like, you know, Will Chambers, Will Chamberlain was one of those guys who right. were just big guys, you know, uh, that could screen, do all the dirty work, but also score. Shaquille O'Neal was another one who could exactly. do the same thing. You know, the big, strong guys that can just do all the dirty work. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wasn't that big, strong guy, but he was just a gifted, gifted, uh, scorer, right? He had that sky hook. Right. So, so most of these other centers, if, if I didn't, if I didn't name these guys, I mean, there's other ones that I'm, I haven't, you know, that I'm not naming, but most of the centers do what Eric Montrose does or did, I should say. Right. He's just one of these hard working, dirty work type of guys, you know, a great Oster tag type, right? You know, from oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Jayhawks, right? So guys like that, that's what he, that's what he was. Big body though, and a, a great motor. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace there, Eric. Uh, I remember you uh, very much. Well, you know, he was, he was a two time Associated Press second team All American. Obviously, he, I said he was starting center when, when, when Dean Smith won his second championship. For as good a coach as Dean Smith is, he only had a few uh, national championships, but he had some great teams. Now, his system did not make great players. That's why Michael Jordan's becoming the GOAT. Some people are like, well, where did that come from? Because Carolina produced team players. There aren't many Carolina players that have gone on to greatness, to superstar level greatness. They've had some great players, but 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 not many. And the reason I say that, a little tidbit here. Uh, are you aware that Michael Jordan is not even the University of North Carolina's greatest Tar Heel basketball player? Phil Ford is. Isn't that funny? And yet, oh. Michael Jordan is the greatest NBA pro basketball player. It's funny how life works, you know. But Phil Ford, they gave him every opportunity. He was well before. He was, he was probably the late 70s, early 80s, so nobody knows about him. But I uh, didn't do well. And that's when, after that, and other players came out, came to talk. But it, it's a family there. Uh, 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 and God bless him and rest in peace. But And real quick, Eddie. Who did they beat for the national championship when Montrose started and played there? Jeez. Um, I don't know. I'll give you a question. It was a number in, in their nickname. 
And it was a timeout they didn't have. It was a what? Not what? A timeout what? they didn't have. No the idea. Fab Five with Michigan. Remember, uh, ah. Chris, oh my gosh. Uh, Chris, yeah, Chris Weber. Chris, yeah, Chris Weber, Weber with uh, that. Timeout! <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 what's that? Juwan Howard. Those are the big yeah, four. Yeah, Juwan Howard. Yeah. yeah. You know, I forgot who the fifth guy was, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and, and, and the final couple of notes on on uh, uh, Montrose is he was a highly sought after player. He was ninth overall in the '94 NBA draft. The Celtics took him. Uh, he played nine seasons in the NBA for the Celtics, Mavericks, Nets, Sixers, Pistons, and Raptors. And after the NBA, Eddie, did you know he was an analyst on the Tar Heel Sports Network, part of the ACC network, for 18 seasons? Sadly, he wow. he, he stopped that this year to. Focus Focus on his cancer, and obviously, that's uh, uh, scary. You know, uh, I'm not going to get into the politics, but somebody uh, was saying that he, it's it's like there's a lot of people getting cancer now and, and, and dying quickly. You know, uh, uh, I want to research that, but it's scary. We live in it. I just saw the other day, Eddie, on television that somebody uh, 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 they were interviewing one of these these shows, and the doctor said we're getting to the point where you are taking a bigger risk than you ever have been in your life just doing a simple operation because how devastating these diseases and these viruses and how the antibiotics aren't working and the medication uh, because we're becoming, they're becoming a, a, a resistant to it. Resistant. So, resistant. Yeah. Life's scary. All right, Eddie, give me your thoughts on job ja Moran. He comes back not not from his first suspension, but from his second suspension. You know, first of all, for the audience, uh, John Morant was the number two overall pick in the 2019 uh, draft. Very talented kid, rookie of the year in, in, in 2020, 2022, the most improved player. And he's a two-time all-star. He's been suspended for 33 games total. And uh, 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 from there, Eddie, tell us about it. What was his suspension? Why did it happen? What kind of kid are we talking about here? Educate us. Well, you know, I think he's just one of these, uh, you know, these kids that surround themselves with certain types of people that I think he has to kind of show that, you know, he has this kind of uh, street cred type of, you know, personality. Um, you know, he was you know, he was videotaping, you know, or doing a video with, you know, showing a gun, you know, and kind of, you know, just, you know, showing it kind of like frivolously, you know, not, you know, just, and he, and there was a couple of times he did that on a basketball court too. The first infraction was on the basketball court and then, you know, got into a fight and then pulled out a gun, you know, to intimidate the other guy. And that was the first time he got suspended. And the second time is when this video came out and then, you know, he was, you know, showing this kind of hard. I mean, you know, you know, some of these kids get, you know, um, they, they get influenced by what they see on TV. You know, you see a lot of these rap videos, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're like yeah. that. You know, they're, they're just kind of hard. It's just kind of the image they're trying to portray. And, you know, and, and some of these kids just adopt that image and they, and it, and it shows that they're, you know, you know, I don't want to say the thug life, but it's kind of like that, right? It just, it just shows kind of some strength and, you know, some power. And that's what he was doing. And, and the NBA has a brand that to protect, right? Yeah. They don't want to have their players kind of demonstrate, you know, this kind of, you know, somewhat quote unquote gang related kind of type of behavior, right? Even though he's not, but it's just that they don't, they want to protect their brand. They want to, they don't want people to be like this. So they, he went through counseling, you know, and I think today is his first game. Actually, tonight was his first game. I was watch, actually watching it before this podcast. And, you know, he's a little rusty, but man, who, who wouldn't be right. But oh, uh, right, right, right. What happened, right. So I, and the kids are extremely talented. I mean, he's super uber talented, super athletic. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy play. But this guy has jumping ability that's it's hard to see from you can't imagine this guy's jumping ability at that size and how you know he's not a very big guy he's pretty you know slender and slim but why are we strong with that guy man it's explosive so you know the nba benefits from having john morant in the league and you know i think that you know john morant hopefully has gotten over this and i think he has at least he's shown that he has so far i mean he's what you're hearing is that he's definitely been remorseful and reflected and, you know, hopefully that changes his behavior, you know, that he's not going to be doing kind of this stuff in public, right? If he does it privately and nobody knows it, whatever, right? But anytime you have video cameras and all that and start spreading, that's the problem. So, um, right. but anyway, yep. You know, a, a little insight on that when you're talking about the rappers and, and, and you don't want to portray it as, as a thug, nobody does. Nobody wants to be called racist. I've never cared. 
so let me relate this to the audience. Uh, growing up, I didn't read any studies, nothing as a Latino growing up in Panama, then moving to the States in the South, then joining the military. And I noticed just throughout decades, not years, that, that and, and as I became a young adult and I got a military, I'm like, and, and it happened when this kid, I go, and he, he, he was telling another kid he was from the ghetto, somewhere like New York City or something. And I knew him. I go, bro, you're from the suburbs in Wisconsin. Yeah, why are you telling them you're, in the, you're from the hood? And obviously, in the military, there's a lot of minorities. You know, uh, uh, we make up all the grunts and all. You know, we don't have direction in life, and that's why I joined, kind of, for for one of many other reasons. But uh, then his friend saying, "Dude, he wants to look bad." That's what they all do. When he said they exactly. all, do, he was talking yep. about young punks coming up. He goes, "They yep. want, they want me." And Latinos are the same way. So it's an image they want to portray, and it's an image that I think overall hurts the culture. When you put thuggery ahead of an education, doing what's right, being a good human, uh, 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 and that's that's every individual. That's not a group I'm talking about. I mean, it, so for example, I met a, a one of the last relatives I met before I left Panama a few some years ago. Uh, I hadn't met. I go, dude, why haven't we met? Mm -hmm. In prison, <laughs> you yeah. know. So it, it happens to anybody, regardless of culture. But it was something I noticed with with blacks and Latinos, and it was confirmed to me by many blacks. And uh, uh, and it's funny, the ones who confirmed it, Eddie, tended to be older career military guys, their fathers with children, you know, so they were more open to have this type of conversation. And I was a tough MFer, you know, because uh, 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 I was I was the guy in charge at times. I was in charge of V4s and E5s. But whenever a fight would brew, uh, uh, the Latinos and blacks were always the first ones ready to throw down. The whites were more timid, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah. so I eventually realized, you know, screw all y'all. So when two guys would get up to fight, I'd go, go at it. Come on right. here. And I give him a couple bruises. I go, go at it. I go, because the moment you're done, I'm writing all y'all up. So all y'all going to get bleeped over. And what I was doing, Eddie, was giving them an out. They didn't want to fight, you know, but the ego kind of pressures them. You know, oh, God, I'm sorry, I don't want to fight. So, so I gave them out. So they give me this dirty look, throw the brooms down. You lucky dopalar here. You lucky dopalar, you know. And, right, you know, right, and, and right. But eventually – I got their loyalty. I got their friendship just by being a, a, a tough boss because they hated me. But whenever they picked teams, the who wanted to work with who, every one of those bleeping mother bleepers would raise their hands. I want to work with Del Pilar. I go, why right. y'all sit there and hate me but want to work with me? Because we know how you treat us. You treat us fairly, right. you know. They hated me because right. I made them work, you know. But once right. their work was done, I would protect them. Because in the military, once your work is done, they send you to go do the loser's job who isn't doing his work. But anyway, in a long-winded yeah. way, we have a culture issue. And when you are an elite player like John Moran is or any player that's elite, here's, an, here's another thing ex-retired players have told me as, as well as agents. These players are never told no. Once their talent is discovered as children, they're given everything, they're, they're never enabled. told no, and they're treated differently. They're enabled. They're enabled. Exactly. Right. So yeah. hopefully he learns from this, and, and he's too young. Uh, and the reason I say he's too young, meaning if he doesn't learn from this, he's got a long life of heartaches uh, awaiting him. You know, because yep. if he doesn't yep. lose the entourage, gets thrown out of basketball, this or that, that entourage are nothing but leeches. Sucking your money and like uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so. But like, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, like you know, just in, you were talking about like your your military background and some of these uh, guys are trying to act hard and all that. You know, it, you know, a lot of these kids, even though they may not come from the inner city, they do that just as a deterrent. They want that mental edge, right? That you know, they want to portray that they're this tough guy. You know, when they're not not necessarily because you know, city kids, you know, that are real city kids, you know. <laughs> They'll jump in, just like you said, the Latinos and blacks jump in any fight. It's because, you know, they 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 had to learn that way. It's the, the school of hard knocks, right? It's just, you know, I, I grew up in the part tough part of San Francisco, and it was very much that way. So you have to kind of learn, right, and the, hard, the school of hard knocks, right? But, uh, you know, I don't know if you, by the way, I was going to bring up, do you ever see this movie Havoc? Um, have you ever seen this movie Havoc? H-A-V-O-C? Okay. It's 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 actually a good movie to check out because it kind of depicts a little bit what we're talking about, but it, it it's 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 actually portraying you know these uh, this predominantly white uh, high school 
And these kids, these white kids were trying to act all hard, like city, you know, this and that. Yeah. And, you know, because it, it got attention, right, from, you know, other boys and specifically from the girls. But then they actually, you know, one time they, they actually encountered with a real Latino gang and these guys just shriveled up. They weren't like all yeah. tough and hard anymore because they, they faced it, right? They're real, real people, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully John Morant learns, you know, from this, you know, because, you know, realistically if you're a tough kid you don't have to show it man just you know the, the quiet confidence is enough to you know essentially desert yourself you know and you don't need to show guns and all that you know you don't have to be rough, you have to rough and tough to be showing guns it's, it's the wrong look for the nba the nba did the right thing to crack it down and you know hopefully john moran you know will learn from this you know it's funny there's that saying uh i don't know what the saying is but you know that 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 theory that tends to be true that the, the geeks will eventually rule the world and you go 30 years later and all the smart nerds and all that they're the ones with the vp jobs high paying jobs you know it doesn't pay to be a dumbass is my point and make bad decisions you know it, it just doesn't but we want to be seen in a certain light so we do stupid things and with that right. much success to john morant i'm not uh, 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 i'm a man where i don't care what he said in terms of how it helped i want to see his actions so hopefully he'll overcome this let's get to a topic i've been wanting to get your take on ridicule in the city of angels so the los angeles lake los angeles lakers have been the subject of ridicule after they uh, uh, hung a banner to commemorate their in-season tournament championship win. Now, Eddie, before I get your response, the, I want the audience to know the Lakers do not put up any banner, only championship banners, not Western Conference banners, not Pacific Division banners, not the Lakers are the greatest banner, you know, not any banner. Uh, 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 though I would accept the banner of the owner. That's a pretty hot woman. <laughs> so they put this banner up. Well, I, I think they would pretty much like run out of room, which is why they didn't want to put all those different banners for all the different, you know, division champs, conference champs. I mean, they run out of room. Because I think they have like 15 or 16, uh, you know, championships. I think that them and the Celtics are one and two. So it, they just run out of room. You know, I think that's part of the reason why they did that. But, you know, as far as this, in-season tournament thing. I think this was something that the NBA wanted them to do realistically because, you know, the NBA was pushing this in-season tournament. They invested a lot of marketing dollars in this thing and, and to make it successful. And I think it was a great success, but they also want to be able to make this something that the players want to, you know, they, they want right. these players to want want it, right? That they, they want some prestige to come out of this thing. So, you know, I think that they, you know, they pretty much uh, strongly suggested to the Lakers to comply and, and, and show, you know, the league that this is important. And we want it to, we know that your policy doesn't, you don't hang banners other than championship banners, but this is a championship banner for instance in tournaments. So, you know, please, you know, make, make an exception and make this thing work because we want the, the league to, to also adopt this uh, moving forward because it's, it's an important thing that we're trying to push. So I don't think it was the Lakers, right. you know, per se that did that they did this on their own. I think it was the league that was pushing this. Oh, yeah. I don't think the Lakers at all wanted anything to do with this. Uh, but I do believe people are, 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 you know, when you do, I always, when I talk to to my business partner or whoever about business, I like, you have to look ahead. You have to think big picture. And the league knows their ratings were, were slowly going down, like every other sport and the fragmentation of society's uh, 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 entertainment options with streaming. And this is a big push, I think, to try to, to level out those ratings and continue getting the big TV deal contracts is Eddie, that's going to have to change. You know, it's already changing. I have not seen one report, but I, but I, but I heard, I did read an actress saying we're not paid what we used to get paid. You know, it, it, there's, there's, it's just not the same as it used to be when there were only three or four networks and, and a handful of cable stations that, that did this type of work. So uh, I think that's what it is. Uh, you know, so and further uh, and hat tip to Chris Haynes of the Bleacher Report. He did. He said in the podcast that he was told that there was pressure from the league because early reports were that the, that, that the Lakers weren't really planning on posting any banner you know but they're lucky the lakers won because having a team like the lakers posted right. with their tradition and their history uh so 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 when the the charlotte bobcats eventually win something you know outside well, the of the lottery yeah, the hornets <laughs> not the hornets no i'm sorry not the hornets the hornets the bobcats <laughs> weren't they the bobcats at once 
They were the Bar Bobcats initially, oh, yeah. but yeah. Oh, uh, the Dave yeah. There. <laughs> well, thank you, Eddie, there for that NBA report. I was just talking to Eddie off camera. I said, Eddie, we need some hard-hitting stories here moving forward and make it fun. But uh, some good stuff there, Eddie. Uh, again, Eric Matros, rest in peace. Uh, you know, it, it's a sad day for his family at only 52, and uh, especially during the holidays. So so we're, our thoughts are with them. Let's move on over to the National Football League, Eddie. And what do you got for me there? What topics are we looking at uh, 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 this this episode? Well, I just wanted to kind of get uh, your your take on the playoff hunt right now. You know, I mean, we have you know some teams that are separating themselves in the NFC particularly, and then some in the, in the AFC. I think there's maybe one or two teams that have emerged, but a lot of them are kind of you know kind of moved back to the pack. So, kind of want to get your take as to what you think you know are the teams to watch out for uh, in the NFC, the teams that are fighting for a, a playoff spot. Which ones do you think will emerge, and which ones won't? We're entering week 16, and I think you saw some of it shaping out last week. The Bengals beating the Vikings, uh, you know, uh, the Eagles going down. uh, And that all it did was muddle it up more for all the teams on the outside looking in. But it also clear began to clear some things up. You know, teams are still in the race. But look, the Niners have clinched. The Cowboys have clinched. The Eagles have clinched. And, and the reason I say the Eagles lost is kind of clearing certain things up. It's now the 49ers uh, control their own playoff destiny in terms of home field advantage. And the Cowboys and Eagles are on the outside looking in. The Ravens control their own destiny. And they're the only team out of the AFC that have clinched it. You know, they are at what, 11 and 3, I believe. And you got the Dolphins right behind them at 10 and 4. But some of these schedules of some of these teams, Eddie, they are ultimately brutal. Because look at the Dolphins at, at, at 10 and 4. They're only one game out of the Ravens. But do you know who they play? I mean, their final three games are against the Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. So even right now, talking about home field advantage and seeding is an impossibility because we don't know who's going to – we may not know who's going to have home field advantage uh, until the final week. Because look at it this way. The Ravens, who are 11-3, the home field advantage, advantage, face the Niners this week. You know, So we don't know how it will play out. But let's break it down from this way. The Ravens are in. The Dolphins are in the hunt. The Chiefs are in the hunt. We know those two teams will get in. Then you have the Jaguars who are trending terribly right now. And and it's like a, a three-way tie, two or three-way tie in the AFC South. And those teams play one another, uh, not just the Jaguars, but the Texans and the Colts. They all play one another. So we will, the next couple of weeks, we'll determine. Actually, I'm lying, Eddie. It may go to the final week to determine who comes out of the AFC South, who comes out of the AFC North uh, uh, in terms of the Browns or Bengals. You know, so so those teams are in the hunt, meaning they have a playoff slot right now if the season ended today. The, the Ravens will be number one. The Dolphins, number two. The Chiefs, number three. The Jaguars are number four right now. The Browns, number five. Bengals, number six. The Colts, number seven. But I got to be honest, Eddie, the only ones I see as a lock right now, the Ravens, Dolphins, and Chiefs. Everybody else is on the uh, is still trying to figure out how to get in. Those are the top seven. Uh, on the bubble are the Texans, Bills, Steelers, Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. And let's take a look at that list there. The Texans, dude, they just seem to play up and down to anybody. They're unpredictable, but they don't have the actual talent. What makes the Texans unique, Eddie, and this is – I'm going to tout my own uh, uh, chops here. What makes me an excellent analyst is I look at breaking a team down from the complete perspective. And what I have determined with the Texans, it's not that they're a good team on the field. They've got some of the best play calling and some of the best head coaching you will find in this league. And and that gives them an edge because there's a lot of bad play calling, a lot of bad decision making. So the Texans eight and six records, a little deceiving. So I don't think, I think they may be a team on the outside looking in when it's all said and done. The Bills can beat anybody right now. You know, I think the only team that I, I would say, I don't know if they can beat them, are the Niners. But every other team, if they, I took a bet today, I will put it on the Bills. That's how dominant they're playing. The Steelers well, especially now that they found, they found a running game. They finally found a running game, right? And that's oh, the reason. Yeah, exactly. That, that is, is the, the reason. reason. That, is the reason. Yeah. that is the reason. That is the reason. I've been saying that. I've been saying that all along. When they were on their down streak, I said, look, they don't have a rushing attack and they don't have leadership. You know, th- what – and I'm not a Sean McDermott fan. I think he should have been fired after that 13-second debacle, to be quite honest. 
But God bless that, or uh, the pink skin gods have blessed that man because he did what 99% of coaches will not do. He sat there and went uh, went away from the strength of his team, Josh Allen. And he pounded that ball and he destroyed the Cowboys. It was not even close, you know. Uh, right. uh, uh, but yeah, so the Steelers, I think, dude, they've been trending negatively all season long in, in the 20s when it comes to the statistics on both sides of the ball. And they just don't have a quarterback. The Broncos, they're frustrating. They've, they've, they lost against the Texans and they should have won. But then they allowed the Lions to beat them down, which I found extremely surprising. You know, I don't know about them. The Raiders, I mean, they may be in the hunt, but they're going nowhere. And the Chargers are technically in the hunt, and we know they won't go nowhere. You know, so move, <laughs> moving. Any comments off of those? Eddie, uh, real quick, Eddie, what do you think of my belief that the Jaguars, who are 8-6 and six and were 8-3 and three earlier, uh, and I don't know if you ha- if you've watched him play. If you haven't watched him play, forgive me. I, I shouldn't be asking a question. I have, but I whenever have watched, I see I them, they seem soft. And and Trevor Lawrence does not seem like like a Jalen Hurts or even a C.J. Stroud. He doesn't seem to play with a confidence. Give me the damn ball. I'm going to win this game for us. He doesn't seem to be that type of player. And they just seem very soft to me. Uh, but yeah. to me, they have the talent to compete with the Chiefs and other teams. So so what's your take? They're learning how to win. I mean, it's a process, you know, as Trevor Lawrence, you know, hasn't been in the league that long. I mean, he's a, he's an elite quarterback, at least out of college he was and out of high school he was as well. And, you know, he, you know, he had to go through a few uh, head coaches to figure this out. And, you know, I think, you know, th- I think they have enough talent now to compete and it's winning's a process. You know, they're, they're better than last year. And, you know, this year, you know, they're, they're, they're just learning how to be better. And now they're, they're trying to be more balanced. I think the running attack is hit and miss sometimes. Uh, I think they need to figure out a, a, a way to kind of figure out what the Bills, like the Bills did, kind of figure out a little bit more balance. You know, Trevor Lawrence has the capability to carry a team, but not right now. Eventually, I think he will get there. Uh, he has two uh, pretty good uh, wide receivers, um, you know, in, in Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. Um, although Christian Kirk is hurt right now, so Zay Jones is the other guy. But they have talent on that team, and their defense is actually pretty good too. So, it's just a process. I, they'll, they'll get there eventually. They're just going through their growing pains right now. And I think you're, it's a good read that they're a soft team. I, I think it's just a process. They're going to figure it out. They're, they're, they, they have, yeah. they're going to get better. You are absolutely correct. I think it is a process. Now, I will disagree on you with the running game, only because you're polite. They have no running game. It's in the low 20s. It's in the bottom. And, and, and they don't have a physical rush. No, not many teams have a physical attack anymore. I mean, the, the the push at the Eagles, you know, that that, that forward push, yeah. that's a gimmick. It's a gimmick because the NFL has gone away from the big physical back who can get in between the tackles. That's why they go to these trick plays. Travis Eddian, Eddie, you're probably bigger than he is. He's not <laughs> a very big guy. They These teams need a physical pounder. And that's what I loved about DeAndre Swift early on with the Eagles. You know, that's what I love about the uh, Lions. But before, uh, I don't want to digress. One more comment on the AFC because I will admit, I was wrong. All you ever heard from me the first couple of episodes we did this, Eddie, was what? Bengals can't win without Joe Burrows. Joe Burrows is out. My peewee team can beat him. I'll be the first to admit. When I saw Jake Browning play, I purposely ignored it. It wasn't the Jaguars game. It was a before game. It was a game before that one because I was rooting for the other team. But I ignored it because you saw the flashes. You're like, whoa, this guy is poised on that play. Oh, look at that throw. <laughs> And then when he did it against the Jaguars, I'm like, this kid is for real. What's your yeah. take on the Bengals with Jake Browning now? Uh, I think the Bengals and Bills are arguably the two hottest non-elite teams in the league. You know, I, the, the Bengals, they have, man, they have so much talent on that team, man. I mean, all their key position players, they're all really, really good. You know, I mean, you know, Jamar Chase got hurt this week. You know, we'll, we'll see how serious his injury is. But, I mean, they had Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. You know, Tyler Boyd, I mean, that's a good three-wide three, three wide receiver uh, attack that that team has. Uh, I, I would say that they don't really have a great tight end, but a serviceable tight end. And they have a really good ground-and-pound uh, running back in Joe Mixon. And now you have this Chase Brown rookie guy who's come out, and he's the speedster, change of pace kind of guy. And Jake right. Browning has, you know, he, he's showing that he's <laughs> – He's actually taken over a team that was kind of set for losing, for not even coming close to getting to where they should be without Joe Burrow. 
but Jake Browning has, right. has done very well in 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 in, in managing this team uh, and, and, and give, giving them a chance to, to get a playoff spot. So they, they have a good team. They were a Super Bowl team, right? So yeah. they don't they, they they have the talent to be there, and you know they need a Joe Burrow to get there to be a championship team. But Jake Browning is showing that you know he's pretty he's a pretty good quarterback and and is able to manage this team considering all the talent they have on that team. Here's the issue I had with that team, though. The final comment before I go to the NFC is. Joe Mixon's getting more play now that Burroughs is out. And what this 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 head coach, who isn't the brightest uh, light in the sh- shed in terms of his scheming when he has Burroughs, because he wants to put it all on Burroughs. And, and the rushing attack is only there to pretend to fool him. He's been using the rushing attack to great results. And he's got he's to gotta keep doing that. Look what the Bills did against the Cowboys when they implemented. We have too many whiz kids, you know, these bright whiz kids on paper. Uh, and, and then they come from college into the NFL, and it doesn't translate uh, as well. And uh, the Bengals are one team. And what makes it bad for me in trying to push this argument forward, people, well, they made the playoffs, they made the playoffs. That's not how I judge greatness. I judge greatness on championships and getting the ultimate uh, the, the ultimate goal is getting that ring, and 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 I don't see teams like the Bengals being able to do that with just Burroughs putting the team on their shoulders. So uh, my whole point in this long-winded way is, I hope Browning shows that staff, wow, look how much better we are when we actually give some plays and, and focus on the rushing attack, not as a, uh, a, a passing thought, but as an actual uh, a part of our game planning. All righty, so. There we have it. So my take is simple, Eddie. The Ravens, Dolphins, and Chiefs are the only teams that that, that I would sit there and say, yeah, you know, they're in. Everybody else, it's still too early to tell uh, uh, with some of the teams in terms of getting in and the seedings. As far as the NFC, that's a little bit more laid out. Obviously, the 49ers, Cowboys, and Eagles are in, and there's no argument. Those are some of the top teams in the league, uh, with the 49ers being the most dominant. Then you had the Lions. They're still battling. They're still in the home field battle, but they're also battling. Lost you, man. Oh no, no, I, I got you. I got you, Eddie. I can still hear you. No worries. Uh, 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 but the uh, the Lions are uh, uh, a team that has a show they can win consistently. They have it. Their playoff. Uh, they're in the hunt. They should get in, but we don't know what type of team will appear. I expect them to get in. The Buccaneers are the team that I don't know if they're going to be able to get in. They're 7-7 seven seven in the NFC South, but they look damn good this past week uh, 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 in beating up the, right, the Packers. You know, the Vikings are number six, Eddie. They just don't have the guns offensively. And I'm going to toot my horn here, Eddie. You know, everybody was on the Joshua Dodds bandwagon. And I was – you saw me. I was thrilled about the All-American story. But did yeah. I not say he was limited? Did I not say his yeah. limitations would eventually show up? And I said, we don't want the story to end. But sadly, people, that's how it's going to end. And uh, that's how it's ended. But God bless that kid, man. He had a great run. And, and man, the stories he's going to be t- able to tell his grandkids. And hopefully he still hangs with the Vikings or another team down the road. The Rams, He'll be with I don't the team. He'll be with yeah, the team. I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, so the Vikings and Rams, I don't see them doing much. And those are the other two teams that are in the hunt. You know, the Seahawks, Saints, Falcons, Packers, Giants, and Bears. The Bears at 5-9. and 5-9, they're all technically in the hunt. I call the Bears, Giants, and Packers. Those are teams that are moving into their evaluation mode for the final few weeks. You know, the Falcons, Saints, and Seahawks, the Saints and Falcons, and, and who's the other team? And the Bucks. They can't seem to determine who wants to win that division. So it's still a bit convoluted, but right now I view obviously that the 49ers, Cowboys, and Eagles are in. I think the Lions are the only other team in the hunt right now that I fully expect to get in. And we'll get into it deeper as the weeks go on with some numbers. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when I do the NFL Power Rank Eddie, I kind of come across a lot of numbers that give me some strong trends towards uh, who's going to fall in and fall out. I just never looked at it from the playoff perspective. Because, but now that we're covering this, I think that's this topic is going to be fun for us uh, moving forward. And there you have it. Uh, 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 in terms of uh, our questions, in terms of the NFL playoff, huh? <clears throat> now, Eddie. I do have questions for you. Let's move on to the MVP race. Dak Prescott, the Cowboys got shellacked this week, 31 to 10 against the Bills. And we were just praising them. Man, he beat the Eagles. But the Eagles are now lost 
three straight games. So where does Dak Prescott stand in the perception he can't beat tough teams and doesn't deserve the MVP or he really is and is deserving of MVP consideration? Your thoughts. No, he still should be, uh, you know, one game doesn't make it. You know I mean? His, his, his body of work up to that point has been pretty good, except against the Niners and, and the, in the, uh, and, and the Bills. Those are the only two games that he really didn't play that well. Other than that, he's played pretty damn well. So, you know, let's just consider this a blip in the radar for them because, you know, they just came off an emotional win the week before against a division opponent and they overtook, you know, them, at, uh, they overtook the Eagles as a division lead at that time. And they still are actually right now because the Eagles just lost. So, you know, I, I, they're a pretty resilient team. They showed it from, uh, you know, getting shellacked by the Niners earlier in the season. And I think that they're going to recover again. So I think Dak definitely deserves to still be in the in the MVP race for sure. I don't think he's the top guy, although I think the NFL initially wanted him to be the top guy because right. he plays for America's team, right? The Dallas right. Cowboys, the self-proclaimed America's team. Um, but, you know, uh, it, to me, it's Brock Purdy to lose. Brock Purdy is the guy who's demonstrated to be the best quarterback on the best team right now in the NFL. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> Look, Dak Prescott should be considered – but he has to get the monkey off his back and, and beat some legitimate teams. And, and this isn't on Dak alone. It's the perception of who and what the Cowboys are. And he's the face of the Cowboys. So he's taking the brunt of that. But when I see Dak, I see Tony Romo 2.0. Tony Romo had these same problems, you know, and, and, and they haven't won a Super Bowl in nearly 30 years. So there's a lot of pressure on him, but I don't view him as, as the top guy neither. What about Patrick Mahomes? I mean, look, his wideouts are dropping. They dropped approximately 30 balls this year. There's no official stat for that. And when I say approximately 30, I'm talking about all the receivers, running backs, tight ends, and all that. I think right. Next Gen Stats has like a dozen uh, uh but but I, it's not official, so the criteria is different. But I mean, his team is also nine and five. They don't look elite. I mean, does he deserve to be seen as a potential MVP candidate? I think he's going to be considered uh, in the top four or five only because of his reputation. I mean, the guy is you know two time MVP, a two time Super Bowl champ, uh, MVP as well, and. You know, the guy is a talented quarterback, probably the the, the the standard for the league as far as a quarterback, as far as what he's able to do. Um, but Brock Purdy, I think, is showing that he, he's got the skill set, just like Mahomes, at least from reading a defense point of view, right? I mean, he's showing that right, right now. It's, it's only really a two-year thing. We'll see if he can sustain it. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes is, is elite at being able to read uh, a defense and uh, – you know, yeah. I think that's yeah. part of the reason why I think he should st he should still be considered, although he's not a front runner right now anymore, unless he just really kills it in the last three weeks of the season. Then he'll be considered, right. you know, top three. And speaking of that, real quick, let's backtrack to Dak. He has his three games come against the Dolphins, Lions, and Commanders. So he has two games to prove himself, the Dolphins and the Lions. Uh, Mahomes, his final three games, Raiders, Bengals, and they're at the Chargers. Uh, 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 uh. It's, those are all winnable, so they may not help or hurt him. Now, real quick on Mahomes, you're right. He can read a defense, but I think Purdy can read a defense just as well, if not better. But the difference is, is Mahomes is a gunslinger with a pitcher's mentality. So he can do what Purdy can't. He can do that quick throw at 100 miles an hour right into a corner. And it's not that Brock Purdy can't do it. I haven't seen Brock Purdy do it yet, uh, where I've seen Mahomes do it. So I'm not saying Purdy can't, but I'm saying if you want to talk differences, that's what has always separated Mahomes. He's that gunslinger who doesn't really throw yeah. interceptions. But I agree with you. He, he, I wouldn't consider him this year. Uh, and that's not entirely his fault. Now, Jalen Hurts. What's your take on Jalen Hurts? Uh, they're, they're on a three-game skid. I mean, he is trending downward at the worst possible time for yeah. MVP status right. and playoff status. Three games skid. And this past weekend at the press conference after the loss of Seattle last night, he questioned the commitment of his team. And when they asked him to, uh, to uh, expound on that, he played dumb. Well, I don't got the definition here, yo. His dad's a damn coach. So he knows what he meant when he said commitment. You know, so uh, 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 what's your take on Hurts? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think he's, this is the wrong time to have this skid, you know, especially towards the end of the season. 
you know, it's kind of like the same thing with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the NCAA football, you know, when teams lose early, it doesn't really hurt them as much as when they lose late, you know, as far as, you know, the, the rankings kind of the same thing yeah. applies here for the MVP race is that, you know, the body of work, you know, if you start showing kinks in the armor early, you have a lot of games to make up for that. But when you're towards the end of the season, there's not that many games left. That's one of the lasting impressions to the voters. And yeah, you're right. It, this is the wrong time for him. Although his body of work is impressive, but it's not as impressive as last year. He had a very impressive, you know, uh, stat line last year and his team was way more dominant. And this team, for whatever reason right now, they're just, they're not as do dominant specifically on the defensive end because that's where they were very, very good last year. Um, they're still good offensively. It's right. just that, you know, their defense is just, you know, they, they just can't stop anybody really, you know, and, and that's, they have to outshoot, you know, they have to outplay, uh, outshoot people, run and shoot, right. whatever it is I'm trying to say. Like, you know, they have to out, you know, uh, out offense the other team to win. Right, right. Look, I think there's just more film on Jalen Hurts and his mobility because that's what the Niners learned. We don't have to sack him. We can just contain him. And what people don't understand, when when a, when a running, rushing, when a mobile quarterback is contained, he's looking around. Where's this guy at? Where's this defender at? And he's not entirely focused on the throw, but when you do a blitz straight up and they step up, they've bought themselves a, an extra second because they've got an open lane to either run or to pass the ball. And uh, uh, uh I think Jalen Hurts, teams are figuring out how to handle him, how to deal with him. And I think success has also caused a little bit of a regression. He was moving forward as a pocket passer, you know, who could still rush the ball. And, and, and his passing ability, his passing uh, mature, maturation, if that's how you say it, uh, growth seems to have not taken a step back, but it isn't progressing where I like to see it. He's still a dynamic player. Ironically, Eddie you know, looking down on Dak Prescott. But when I look at these three players, we just talked about Prescott, Mahomes and Hertz. I rank him Prescott, Mahomes and Hurt in terms of voting. If it was just those three. So let's go to the guy that Eddie keeps. Uh, Eddie has so, so much, man. Does your wife know you love Brock Purdy this much? <laughs> let's go to quarterback Brock Purdy, the San Francisco 49ers. Look, what I'm starting to see from him in the media our players coming to his defense, defense, defense with the stop that BS of he's a system quarterback, and I agree with that. There have been many systems that have that the that 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 the anointed successor from the stud that ran it before, where the anointed successor has come in and has completely failed. And I'm actually going to write an article and do 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 a clip on that. But Purdy, it's not his fault. He's good. He's great within that system. So I think. His wins against these big teams and seeing the Eagles fall apart, seeing the Cowboys can't beat big teams. Yeah, he is. I think it's his to lose. Uh, 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 uh. His final three games are against the Ravens, Commanders, and Rams. And I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts' his final three games are against the Giants, Cardinals, and Giants. So he's out of the MVP race. A schedule that easy is not going to help him. At best, hopefully it helps their team get out of their funk. But Brock Purdy, they've got a big game against the Ravens. I think – now, I'm not saying they will, but if they put a 30 to whatever beating on them like they did against the Eagles and the Cowboys, I'm like, if you don't give it to Brock Purdy, it's because you just hate him and it's personal. Right. Uh, your thoughts. I agree. No, I agree. I mean, the thing is is that Brock Purdy has the, probably the most talented um, roster in the NFL. And I think the reason why people are saying he's a system quarterback – is because people recognize how stacked the Niners really are. And they're saying anybody playing quarterback that can just manage that offense is going to be successful. And I disagree because, Brock, you know, we had Jimmy Garoppolo run that same offense. He got us to the Super Bowl, but, you know, it was it, it was in spite of him, really. And then, you know, Trey Lance did it for, for a little while before he got hurt. And he was, you, you weren't seeing the same kind of flow of the offense as Brock Purdy is showing. Brock Purdy's uh, strength, or I would say his, his, his primary – uh, uh, um, yeah, his primary uh, uh, strength is being able to read a defense. He's really, really good at that. And that's where he's separating himself. You know, I, I would say that because of how successful he is, it's, it's actually probably uh, forcing uh, NFL teams to reevaluate how they evaluate quarterbacks. 
because right the league the league is is, is a uh, mimic they mimic everything they're a copycat league you know whatever works the mobile QB you're gonna start seeing drafted more mobile yep. QBs the whiz kid coordinators that become head coaches and that other owner wants the next whiz kid and things like that and uh, I will disagree with you on this I think he can read defense as well but I think one of his strengths and actually Tom Brady talked about it in a completely different scenario is his ability of ball placement I I, I because in the West Coast offense if you can get Debo Samuels or Brandon Ayuk the ball in stride, boom. That's where they get 30 points. So 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 I may be wrong because he can't read a defense. I'm not disagreeing with you to disagree as much as that's what I find more impressive uh, from West Coast quarterbacks is those who can throw with accuracy because they will thrive. All right. I want to talk about two lesser players who will likely not win it, but I think one of them is likely not in the running anymore. And that is Tyreek Hill wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Because I think, as I said last week, if he gets 2K, you have to give it to him, regardless of how great anybody else plays, because that's never been done. However, he's, he has 1,542 yards and there's only three games left. And it's not a guarantee he'll be back this week, though he's, he's expected to be back. And their final three games, Eddie, Cowboys, Ravens and Bills. Those are not games. Let's let's put it this way. If he gets two thousand yards against those three teams, you know they're shootouts, but you gotta give it to him. But I think he's out of it. I don't see him getting four hundred and sixty yards uh, uh between now and those three games. Your thoughts? It's gonna be tough, especially because he's he's dealing with an injury. And uh, you know, I think that's gonna really um impact him more than anything else. I mean, those defenses you know, the, the Cowboys have shown that their defense probably isn't as strong as it was in the very beginning of the season. So uh, they can get thrown on for sure. Um, the Bills, you know, they were hit and miss a little bit on defense. You know, at least early on in the season, they weren't very strong. So I think that, you know, if it's a shootout, I think, you know, if he gets in a shootout with the, with the Bills, which is very possible, you know, th- then it's possible that he could do it. So I think you'll see early on against the Cowboys whether or not he's going to be able to achieve that goal or not. If he's over 100 yards against the Cowboys or 125, I think he's going to get there because, you know, they want him. I think they're going to try and get him there, assuming that he has no injury, no significant injury that's, that hampers his ability to do it. Well, here's the problem. Uh, and this isn't your fault, Eddie. It's just because I did the power rankings. I know the defenses. Look, the Cowboys have a stinking rush defense they can't stop anybody on the ground as the bills prove they got a pretty stout pass defense and and i think tyreek hill's a type of guy where he's going to get his but if they go crazy trying to get him the record it's going to create a loss and i think the home field advantage is more uh uh is a bigger goal and i don't see uh uh, uh the head coach uh mike day is it mike davis no what's uh gosh i'm trying to blank on the head coach super for the dolphins dolphins, for the dolphins? Yeah. McDaniels, Mike McDaniels. McDaniels, Mike McDaniels. I don't see him putting Tyreek Hill above the team's goals. And they've got got three tough games, so I don't think they're going to mess around. But it's possible based off his talent, but I don't see happening. Now, the final uh, secondary player, Christian McCaffrey. Look, he started to get some play and some talk in the press, and Brock Purdy gave him a big bump. Again, their final three games are Ravens, Commanders, and Rams. Uh, I just – I like Christian McCaffrey. I like what he's done, but I just don't even view him as part of the race, to be quite frank. Uh, and I'm not saying that because I, I think he's a bad player. Not at all. I just don't think he's done anything to warrant being in the talk. What about you? I mean, he's going he's pro- I mean, to probably achieve 2,000 scrimmage yards for sure. Um, and then he's got 20 touchdowns. You know, uh, I mean, that's a pretty damn good season. But, you know, we've seen this before for a running back, right? It's not something right. that's extraordinary for a running back. We've seen it. Um, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson had 31 touchdowns. I mean, that right there is like, and I don't think he even won it then. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they have to have a remarkable season, you know, like a 2,000-yard receiving season that hasn't been done, you know. So I think that's something that, you know, makes it, you know, possible for him to win it. But Christian McCaffrey would have to have 30 touchdowns and 2,500 scrimmage yards to be considered, honestly. I think the problem with the running back position is it's evolved or devolved. What I'm saying, they don't really play running back. That's why it's devolved in financials also. But come playoffs, you really need one. That's why part of, people don't understand. Part of the reason Tom Brady has seven rings is because they would develop. There was, there's a couple of Super Bowls, a couple of seasons where they didn't really develop it. But for the most part, come winter season, come playoff season, the Patriots were pounding the ball. 
you know, having a strong physical runner is key to a Super Bowl championship uh, 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 for some teams. And and I just think overall, McCaffrey is a strong physical runner. However, his downside is he can be injury prone. Uh, uh, we don't have many Derrick Henrys in the league is my point. So what I'm trying to say is 2,000 yards to me puts you in the talk. But outside of Derrick Henry, uh, we haven't had a, a, a rusher who can actually be in contention for that. We get these quasi, you know, 800 rushing yards, 800 receiving yards type players. And that's not bad. That's today's NFL. But for, for MVP status, I need more than 800, 900 yards, 1,000 yards in a 17-game season when players of old were doing it in 12-game seasons, 1,000 yards. So maybe I'm being biased there, but so be it. And there you have it, my friends. Eddie, another great show, my friends. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I want to make a couple of mentions. Uh, we didn't get to it, but I wanted to talk about Frank Whitecheck, and we will do that in, in another podcast. And I want to thank you all for listening. And before I forget, you can find us at grumblingsmedia.com. This podcast, our fired up, free for all political podcast as well as our Big Questions with Big John, our interview format podcast, and our Red, White, and Rude, our Politically Incorrect podcast. You can listen to us also on YouTube and Rumble under the profile Grumblings Media, as well as our traditional outlets, Pandora, Spotify, Google, and Apple. Don't forget, please share our podcast if you listen to them. That's how we will grow. And I thank you all for listening. And on behalf of Eddie Aparicio and myself, I bid you adieu. Good night, everybody.